Hey, welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you can use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get this podcast underway. Hey, morning, Toby. Hi, Robert. How are you going there? How's life down in Melbourne? Uh, It's the same as always. I'm not going to go down that track, but now are we all set for our podcast this week? I believe we are. Terrific. Now, we've actually got a special guest this week, Ben Kenyon, who's based in the UK, up near Newcastle there. And Ben and you both worked in India together on a particular projects, so you two know each other quite well. That's correct, isn't it, Toby? That, that is indeed correct, yes. Beautiful. Now, Ben's topic, I've just been looking through this, and that's really close to my heart. If you recall a while back, we did a podcast about IP in software, and one of the things I said was that when you're dealing with an acquisition that involves software, you've got to get right down to the source code because you need to look at the quality of that code. You need to make sure that what you're buying actually works. And I think what Ben's also adding into this conversation is that you've also got to look seriously where the ownership of that code lies. So I'm going to let Ben tell the story, and I'll hand over to you two. Yeah, indeed. Well, welcome, uh, Ben, to um, our podcast. How's life up in England, by the way? Uh, good, Toby. Um, good to speak to you again. Life's pretty good. We're not sure what's going to happen with uh, new lockdown rules, but in general, we're doing okay. So all's good. Yeah, yeah well, we've got lockdown rules. I'll tell you what, I think uh, uh, poor Robert down in Victoria has got the hardest of all the lockdown rules. <laughs> yeah. It's almost sort of military style down there. Total, total um, lockdown. Yeah, we're going to rename uh, Melbourne to uh, something like Alcatraz or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say Colditz or something. Well, yeah, close, <laughs> close. <laughs> so anyway, Ben, it's great talking to you. And uh, I, of course, we work together as part of an acquisition and doing some very detailed due diligence in that area. But mm. I think th- this, what you're going to talk to us about is... Uh, a very, very interesting area. And I'll begin, and I have to pardon my ignorance here, with something called FOSS. Yes. And perhaps you might explain to to myself and people listening, what is FOSS? Yep. So FOSS is, well, it stands for Free and Open Source Software. So what we do when we do due diligence is we look at a number of aspects of a business, generally a, a software company that somebody's either looking to acquire or invest in. So we check over a number of things, code quality. So we'll do a what's called a code review. So we'll have a number of developers who will search through the code, looking for kind of errors, from whether it's reliable code, looking for vulnerabilities, seeing how maintainable it is. But we'll also check for software licenses within that code, mainly to find out whether or not the developers who've built it have used any open source software or any free software that they might have found around the web. So developers, right. um, they can often use other people's code to help build their own products quicker. So unless there's a system in place to manage this, developers will use code without the appropriate licenses. It's not a kind of uh, negligence thing uh, all the time. It's kind of they want to create a product as quickly as they can, and they'll use different code to help 
achieve the functionality they want in the fastest okay. means possible. So, yeah. Ben, ben from, from a sort of an acquisition perspective, what mm. problems could this actually create? Given, the, given what you just described in terms of what software developers can do, if you're acquiring a company that's got a lot of software, what problems does that set up for the acquiring company? Well, the main one is if the code isn't available for commercial use and the company technically doesn't own it. So yep. let's say they started to use a project they had found online and they had integrated it quite heavily into the project. Well, that code may be free for personal use, but there might be fees for commercial use, or right. it might be just a completely non, you, you just might have to pay commercial fees straight away up front, but the developer wouldn't have checked the license in the terms and conditions, et cetera, and they'll have just integrated it into the project to help get things working. Right. So, and also some code may require that anyone who uses it or makes changes to add improvements or additional functionality, then they're required to submit those changes back into the project to, to help the good of the project in general. If you're going to right. take it and use it, but you're going to improve it and make changes, well, it's only nice and kind if you then submit those changes and extra features back to the project for others as well to uh, appreciate it. Right. So it could be potentially a bit of a shock to the acquiring company to find all this out. It can be if you find some licenses which are going to greatly impact the, the business in terms of extra fees or not being able to use some aspects. Yeah, so pretty important, I'd say. Mm. So, Ben, let's have an example of, like, with investors looking to put £2 million into a business. Just take us through it. Yeah, so we worked with some investors. They were looking to put about £2 million into a business. It was an established business. They had been trading for a number of years and had decided to invest in building their own tech. So this tech was going to be able to deliver similar services, but as a, a SaaS business. They didn't have much experience in this, so they, you know, they had a good idea, but they didn't have great technical expertise in, in building any technical or software products. So anyway, they went out, they hired a couple of developers, um, they had a back-end guy, front-end guy, and uh, they were tasked with building a product. They went through what it was going to look like, how it was going to work, what the functionality was, and they started to, to build that product, and over several months, they ended up with something which was pretty good. And they got a bit of traction with it. And the mm. kind of MD was thinking, this is, this is working well. I want to take this to the next level, maybe spin it out as its own separate product. And they wanted to look at getting some investment. Right. Okay. So the investors, this is where we came in to do a bit of due diligence, do a code audit, do a FOSS audit, and just general tech DD. Right. So throughout the general tech DD, what we'll look at is how the software development team functions, what kind of methodologies they work to in project management terms, how they manage the quality assurance of the build, what they do for continuous integration, etc. Basically how the software team runs, operates and whether yeah. they are functioning as they say they would and we'll, we'll check that they're doing that. But when it came to the, the FOSS audit, we audited the company and discovered a license which required that any changes made to this particular bit of functionality would need to be submitted back into the project, um, right. which wasn't good. So we, we found that. And as we were doing a code audit at the same time, we thought, well, we'll look to see what parts of the project this has affected. And in this case, a large part of the IP, essentially the USP of this business, 
which they right. had built had been built on such code. So submitting it back into the project would have given up all the special features they had developed on top of it and the advantages they would have had over the competition. Now, let me just run that one through again, because it's kind of interesting here. So what you're saying is we have this business, they've <laughs> developed an incredible amount of IP, and it sounds all fantastic, and obviously they want to get investment and gain through due diligence. But the, essentially, the unique selling proposition of this business was substantially built on someone else's code. That's, yep, no, substantially pretty... built on someone else's code, which is fine, yeah. except for the fact that they had to submit any changes back into that project or there'd have been a breach of license. Right. I mean, theoretically, nobody else would have known this. It's been embedded deep within the source yeah. code, and unless anyone has a look, but it's just not a good position to be in. So <laughs> as you can imagine, the MD of this business wasn't very happy at all. Yeah. Um, the people looking to invest very quickly reduced the amount they were prepared to pay for the level of percentage that they were going to take. Yeah. Uh, we did some more investigation. It wasn't the end of the world. It just meant that a great deal of work would have had to have been done to kind of remove that original yeah, and indeed. essentially build that code again from scratch, which wasn't a small task. Essentially, the developer hadn't checked the license properly. But more yeah. importantly, the CEO or MD didn't have a system in place to make sure licenses were checked before using that code. It's just something he didn't know about, and he just assumed that the developers would have looked after it. But again, it wasn't something the developers particularly knew about. Their, their expertise was working on small projects themselves, working for a small yeah. web agency. Yeah. So they'd never worked in a, a large company that has robust policies and procedures of which one being you need to submit any kind of code you want to use. For, and that could go off and get reviewed by a senior developer. The lawyers mm. may have a look at a license. There's various software and systems and functionality that you can put into a, a development team to say, this is how you operate. This is not only how you build, develop and release but this is how you check for licenses. And they didn't have that system in place and they were caught out. That's funny, really. The Zor must have been a pretty nasty surprise for the CEO of the business. They wanted to yeah. take it to the next stage with this investment and realizing then, obviously as a result of this, that it scuppered the opportunity for further investment. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not yeah. sure of the eventual outcomes of it, but in, in the short term, they had a lot of work to do. Tell me something, Ben. What, I can imagine this happening quite often, like here we are doing a lot of potential acquisitions where the assets, the actual value of the business is indeed in the software. What should organizations be doing then as part of their due diligence process if they're making a tech acquisition? There's a number of things you can do and one of them is, is you can do a kind of uh, sell side tech audit so it's what right. we would do essentially for the buy side but we would right. go in and if somebody was gearing up to look to sell or gearing up to look to investment um, yeah. you can get people to come in do an audit as you would and and yeah. this kind of thing would have been discovered before you went out to get investment but a lot of it's just making sure that the development team in place yeah. have a decent level of understanding of what they need to do and Code audits and FOSS audits, essentially the free and open source software audits, are something yep. not a lot of companies do. 
if you're kind right. of to build a, an MVP, a minimal viable product, and get some working functionality of a, of a platform or a SaaS, you want to move quickly, build something, get the functionality working, get it into the marketplace, test it, see if the customers mm. like it, look for the feedback, get it working a bit more. Mm. Um, and that's your main driver. You're not so much looking at the rules and regulations around how that should be done. And in mm. a lot of cases, that moving quickly, releasing fast kind of approach can come back to bite you. Indeed. It's often a case like I think like it's um, buyer beware. So if you're mm. looking at acquisition where the assets are indeed in the software, mm. making sure that you actually do have the software and it is actually software that's been developed and you've actually got the right to use it and it doesn't actually belong to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> and I like the idea, if you're in the selling position, to actually do sell-side due diligence. In other words, yeah. do that FOSS audit, tech DD, and do yeah. it beforehand so that it de-risks the transaction, but it makes it easier for the buyer. So, in other words, it reduces their risk, and yeah. then it makes the whole exercise run more smoothly. And obviously, I would imagine that you'd actually probably attract more value to the business. Exactly. Having kind of your house in order, all of your ducks in a row before yep. you go out to sell is, is hugely beneficial. And it's something yes. people do when somebody's looking to sell a company, the, probably the yeah. first thing they'll do is they'll speak to their accountant. Um, yeah. The accountant will look at how to position their company to look very successful and profitable financially. But in a tech deal or something along those lines, we need to get the kind of technical side of the business in a good position. It's not something they think about. So we're not vulnerable to any kind of surprises and investors, if they can get a better deal themselves or, or find something to justify the cost of actually having a tech audit in the first place, they want to get the best deal um, as well as make sure what they're buying is what they're actually is stated that they're buying. I tell you, Ben, it's such a good point. We uh, so often focus on the legal side and obviously the financial side to make sure that from a financial perspective that the business is showing a strong um, balance sheet and good good operating projections. But yeah. it is the technical side and that could ultimately pull the rug, as in your story, to mm. pull the rug right underneath an acquisition with some nasty surprises that no one wants. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's usually the case we seem to get brought in at the last minute in most of these projects. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have agreed on yeah. most things. They've looked at the business, they've looked at the legals, they've looked at the kind of financials, and then it's a kind of last last bit of checkboxing to do is, okay, we'll now look at the tech, and essentially it's the tech that they're buying. But I guess in a, a lot of cases, they assume that's just a bit that does work and there's no nasty surprises. Right. And nine times out of ten, when we do check things, we don't find any nasty surprises yeah. like that. Okay. Well, it sounds like the moral of the story is do it all ahead of time. Do it mm. early in the process, not later. I think I would add, add into that conversation as well, just listening to you two talk there. Ben, the, the comment about the third-party software gets used and you maybe hope that nobody's got to find it, but that's never the case. No. some point in time, somebody's going to get into that software and realize that it's got unauthorized code, part of its development. And I think one of the things I remember from my tech industry career was whenever you come across a development effort that's either downloaded free-for-use software or 
where you've gone outside and used third party development resources, that should always raise a red flag for you to do the appropriate checks and balances on that software, because that is essentially the IP that you're buying. I think that's been a fantastic story. And it's something that I think a lot of people listening to this wouldn't normally consider. And my view is if your acquisition involves any element of technology, you've really got to go right down to the source code. There's no no choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I must admit, Ben, that's a great chat. So thank you very much for sharing the story uh, with us. And, and so that's it for me. Um, Robert, anything from your side? No, I think that's been a great story. I think we can call that a wrap as usual, Toby. We're going to be back next week with another podcast on M&A War Stories. Uh, All it leaves is me to say, Ben, thank you so much for your time and for your story today. We very much enjoyed having you on the podcast. And uh, I think it's time to say bye for now, Toby. Goodbye. Bye.